This is a podcast by One Life Christian Church in Baldwin, New York. We pray that the following podcast would encourage you, build you up in the gospel, and lead you closer to Jesus. We remind you that these are simply tools to help you in your walk and ask that you still look for a local church to attend and serve in. Welcome to the living room. I'm going to let you get to your word, man. Pastor Scott, we went to Florence, Italy over the summer and uh, on vacation. And while we were there, this is my wife's favorite part. I kept saying, I want to go to church. Um, it was supposed to be a break, but I just wanted to go to church. And it was Sunday and we were looking online and I'm looking and I found two churches. He was the second church I found, Mosaico Church. He'll share more about them. But God was just pushing us to go there. And I show up and Pastor Scott is preaching And while I was sitting there, I said, there's a church that is so similar to ours in another country. And Lord, what do you want us to do about this? Because the work that they're doing out there, friends, honestly, it's easier what we're doing here. And you know how difficult it is. What they're going through, and I hope he shares a little bit about this, is tremendous. And I love that we get to be part of this. So Pastor Scott, thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much, Pastor. Guys, before, uh, before we get to the word, I do want to just say thank you to Pastor Isaac. He invited me into his home. Um, I learned a lot about him, but I learned something this morning that kind of set me back a little bit. And I'm just going to be honest with you. It kind of made me a little nervous about staying at his house. So last night we had a good, good conversation until like midnight. So, um, and then I wake up this morning and I go to his bathroom and on his counter, I didn't see it yesterday, but there is a little cup that says New York Jets on it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I mean, who is this man? So now the only thing is, it could have said like New York Giants, and that would have been even worse. So um, I'm just throwing that out there. Go Cowboys. So I figure that would make everybody happy here, right? So, hey, guys, what what I want to do is before we get into the sermon, I really want to um, just show a little bit of my appreciation and then um, also show, I I want you guys to know something. This is like not in my notes and all that, so I'm sorry for my translators. Um, This morning, what I witnessed was something I don't see in churches. Like when I come back as a missionary, we depend on churches like you. We depend on you giving financially to us, praying for us. So I go from church to church to church. I've been in, I don't know, like 37 different uh, states in America asking people like you, say, would you help support me? Because I'm not allowed to work. And, And so I've been to different churches and I don't see what I see here in most of the churches I go to. I do not see people waiting in a foyer, listening to your word, to his word, because they really want to be a part of a church. What I see is I see like a lot of people come in and they're like, oh man, I've been doing this for my whole life. And they're just sitting here and like, they're not having fun. So this is like so good. But there's something else I want to tell you what I saw this morning. Well, I really encouraged me, but at the same time broke my heart because I've been staying with Pastor Isaac and I understand what he's going through as a church planner, as somebody who's trying to revitalize. Like, I, I understand what he's going through. But this morning, we prayed together a powerful prayer and all of your leaders, all of your servant leaders, they said, we're gonna have so many people that we need to 
put out chairs, and somebody said, I'll, I'll bring out chairs. Somebody else said, I can help. And, and they're all trying to like fill in the gaps so you guys can have a spot. And then the leaders said, we put our heart and our soul into this church. So what we're going to do is we're not going to sit in here. We're going to lead by staying in the overflow. Your leaders do that for you. I don't know about you, but that's an amazing thing to watch and to look at their example. And they, listen, they can't tell you that. Like, they can't tell you, hey, look at our example. We're doing this. So I'm on their behalf telling you that you have a church staff who loves and cares about you to the point that they would come in at seven in the morning to go to two services. You know how much work it is to put on two services? You know, the, the average, every time you, you preach one sermon, oh, this is not in my notes, I'm sorry. Every time you preach one sermon, they say it's like an equivalent to eight hours of work. So now your pastor is going to be doing that twice in one day. Take care of him. Take care of him. Take care of his wife, of his family. Take care of all the other people that are serving at this church. Would you do that? Because like this will not continue if, if, we, if we don't take care of our leaders, Okay. I know he walked in this morning with some kind of fruitcake or something, but uh, he said, this is what it is, banana bread. Oh, I didn't know it was, was that you? We'll talk. We'll talk. Okay, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. Listen, um, do, we got a short video. Can we, can we play that short video, and then we'll kind of talk a little bit about what missions is, and we'll reset the timer. Don't worry about that. Is that possible, or do we need to, did I mess that up? I, my, my fault. I, that was my fault. Okay, you know what? Let, let me talk. When you, when you give me a sign, we'll, we'll play it. Okay, so at, I've, I've been a missionary for eight years, all right? So um, I've been in Florence, Italy. Ever, anybody ever been to, to Florence? No? Man, you're missing out, right? So when, when I thought about Florence, the first thing I thought about, I was, I was sitting in college, in Baba College, and, um, and let, let me tell you a little bit about that, because when, as, as I went to college, I'm from Chicago, a little town outside Chicago, and I got myself into some trouble, right? Like we all do. I was 16, 17 years old, and um, I stole my first car when I was 14. And um, so I'm, I'm running through this, and all my friends, we get arrested one day, except for me. And I graduate high school in four days. So all my friends are going to jail, and, and they, they were charged with felony theft. And so I looked at my life, and I said, I don't want to go to jail. The only place I could go to was college. My mom and dad, they're like, we're not going to send you to college. I was like, I'll go to Bible college because I want out of Chicago. Like, I need out of this place. So as an idiot, right, I go to Bible college so I don't have to go to jail. And the cops are like, no place. So if you're running from the law, they will not look for you at a Bible college. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Just throwing that out there, right? So as, as I show up to, to, to college... I knew, like, I was saved at a young age. Like, I, my dad was a pastor. I knew what I was doing was wrong. And the Lord got a hold of me in college, and he says, I want you, and I want you in Italy. And I was looking at Italy. I was like, why Italy, right? Because Italy, they, they have the gospel, right? Because, you know, missionaries, they go to places like, like Africa where there's no running water. Like, that. They, they go to places like, like Siberia, Russia, where it's so cold, like, nobody ever lives there. Like, that's where they go. They don't go to Italy because Italy, like, Man, I'm, I'm really hurting for the Lord eating pasta and pizza all day long. Like, like this is not where, where God has me. And then I find out who lived in Italy. And 99% of the country 
are so lost that true Christianity doesn't hit the scale. The second largest religion is under 1% is Muslim. The first is, is Catholicism. And nobody ever goes. Nobody ever goes. Nobody ever cares. So when I tell them that I'm a pastor, they look at me kind of strange. Like, are, are, are you, are you going to be safe? Are, are you just here for my money? Like, what, what, what are you doing? I've had somebody sit at my, at my table. They invited themselves over for, for Thanksgiving, and, um, and we sat at our table. And I said, hey, you ought to come to church in the morning. They're like, I, I'm sorry, I don't have enough money to go to church. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I like this idea. Like, where are we going with this? I don't have enough money to go to church. And she goes, well, you understand that my daughter is not, you know, Mirko's daughter, I had him with another girl. I was like, I get all this. I get all this, right? And um, she goes, well, the Catholic Church says I got to spend $10,000 or 10,000 euros in order to be a good standing to go back to church. Yeah. And I said, listen, we'll give you a break. We'll only make you pay 5000 <laughs> So... No, but how horrible, like I sat there and I was able to give her the gospel because the gospel does not say you have to pay money to go to church. You have to pay for your sins. We don't have to pay anything. He paid it all for us, right? So that is why we're in Italy. That is what we get to do in Italy. We get to tell people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel who Jesus is and what he did on that cross. The fact that I can't do anything. I can't be good enough. I can't clean my life. When I was sitting inside of, of, that, of that place in, in Springfield, Missouri, anybody ever been to Springfield? Good, no reason to go. Go to Italy. Um, so as I'm sitting there in a small town of like 80,000 people, and God's speaking to me, and he's saying, I want you to go to Italy. And I said, you don't want me. You want your best because Italy needs missionaries. The average life of a missionary in Italy is one year before they leave the field. In fact, we have, like in Florence, Italy, like you've heard of Florence, the birth of the Renaissance and Da Vinci and Leonardo, like all these things, like all the different turtles are from Florence. And so here they are. You've heard of it. People drive an hour. They get on a train to come to our church because there is no church in their city. Pisa, with the Leaning Tower and all that stuff, people come from there all the way to our church because there is no churches in Pisa. Like, that blows my mind. There is no gospel-centered church in Pisa, so they have to come 45 minutes on a train to get to our church. And I love the fact I looked out today, and there are people that are walking across the street. Like, how amazing is that? So I want you to do, like, if you draw a circle 45 minutes around Long Island, how many people can you reach how many churches are in that area? You might have three that are preaching the gospel in Florence. You might have three. We need missionaries. And a lot of times, do we have that video queued now? Good. We're going to go to the video, and then we'll, we'll start my timer in like 30 minutes, okay?
that is a, a little shortness of, of what our church looks like in Italy. We have, um, I think last time we counted, 23 different nations represented in our church um, from, from all over the place. In fact, on our praise team, um, I love the fact that we have a, a Mongolian who's over here singing, a, an Italian uh, keyboardist, and then a, a man from, from Holland over here singing, and then we have another lady from Ghana. And it's, like, it's just all over the place. And it's so fun because, you know what? How do you minister to people with extremely different cultures. Like, not only do we don't look alike, we don't act alike, we don't, you know, have even the same language. Um, so it can be a very difficult thing. But the one amazing thing that we understand is that the gospel doesn't care about what your culture is, what your race is, what, what your, your language is. The gospel cuts through all of that, and it is so freeing that all like these nations that sometimes our nations don't get along so well. Right? I don't know if you know this, but sometimes other people don't like Americans. I just let you know. Sometimes that's true. But it doesn't matter in the church because we all love the Lord. So, thank you so much for already investing. And if you saw that, that guy that's sitting down at the table, that was Andrea. And he's involved in a group called GBU, um, which you would call it, maybe you've heard of it, InterVarsity here in the States. And um, so he's actually leading my church right now as we're, as we're here. Um, so he, you guys have supported him already and helped him with his schooling. So I want to say thank you for that. He wanted me to say thank you uh, so much for that. He looks forward to the time that he can be here and maybe uh, also greet you as well. Um, so, but I, this morning, I want to, I want to uh, ask you to consider your role. Well, what is your role in missions? Like, there's going to be a different type of sermon this morning. Like, maybe not, uh, it's, it's biblical because that's what we do, right? But at the same time, it's, we're going to ask ourselves, one, kind of what is missions? What is the goal? Um, what are we doing for missions? How should I be involved in missions? Is, is my goal only to, like, to send money to, to missionaries? Is, is that the thing? Or is, is, you know, my dad, he has a term for, um, for, for missionaries. Do you know that term? He's called us moochinaries. Have you ever heard that? I, I appreciate that, Dad. But um, so what is, what is our role? What is my role? What is your role? How does all this work out? And, and is, it, is it biblical? Because that's the one thing we need to ask ourselves is what we're doing, is that biblical? Is there a reason why we are doing this? So and a lot of times when I get introduced, and, and Pastor Isaac did a good job of introducing me, but a lot of times they'll, they'll come in and they're like, here is the hero of the faith. And they, they kind of elevate us to, to a certain level that, that we really don't deserve, right? And they're saying, oh, how amazing he is because he left his family, he left Chicago, he left deep dish pizza, and he traded it for Italian pizza, which hands down, I will, I will not make that trade. I would love my deep dish pizza any day. So like, and we, we look at that and we say, wow, they are so amazing. But if you were to get with a bunch of missionaries, if you were to go to a conference, and we have conferences where we talk about churches, just so you know, and just like you have church, you have conferences where you talk about missionaries. So we get together and, and we discuss. And you know what our heroes of the faith are? Our heroes of the faith, I was down in Florida and I was preaching at a church and, and uh, this was in the very beginning of my ministry and we had $500 coming in a month. And, um, and that was it. So my, my family was living on $500 a month traveling around. And this lady, she comes to us and she goes, the pastor says that I should give 
So I'm going to give you $25. And at the time, we knew that $25 was really hard for her. Now, some people, 25, that's not a big deal. Some people, that's really difficult. And that was extremely difficult. And we knew that. So my wife took the, the, the 25 and, and tells me, I don't think, I, I think I ought to give it back to her. It's like, you, you can't give that back to her. But what we will do is we'll make sure we spend that money for the Lord. And the next night, she comes back to my wife and says, my, um, my husband and I have been saving this, and I want to give it to you because I want to do more. We were going to go on a date, so you, will you take my buy one, get one free Big Mac meal? And will you take your husband on a date? I don't know about you. I've had people, I've had churches that have given me substantial amounts of money, but they do not matter at all as much as that Big Mac meal did. Because their heart was so in to knowing that if, if I didn't have to pay for a Big Mac, maybe I could get farther down the road. If, I, if my wife could take me on a date, maybe my relationship would be stronger so I could go tell people about Jesus. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about that. It was about if we can get to Italy, the quicker we can, we can tell more and more people about Jesus. That was her heart. So those are our heroes of the faith. And I understand, like, maybe you look at missionaries and you're like, well, this is really cool what you guys do. And you look at, at missionaries and you're like, well, the, the guy in Africa who, like, he knows one day when he goes to that tribe, he may be eaten. Like, that, that may be a hero. And he's, he's my hero, too. But, I, I mean, I live in Italy. Nobody's trying to eat me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have this. Now, they are trying to fatten me up, but they're not trying to eat me, Right? So we have to ask ourselves, what is my role? Who is the hero? Who, who is, do we elevate missionaries? Do we elevate ladies in, in Florida? Honestly, no. Who do we elevate? We elevate Jesus. He is our goal. He is our hero. In fact, in 1 Timothy, it would say this. 1 Timothy 1.7 says, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. He is the only one who deserves our glory and our honor. He was the one that we are pleasing. We're on the same level playing field. So the next time that the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl in 20 years or 30 years, you're going to say, is it because of the amazing quarterback? Possibly. Is it because of their defense? Possibly. But honestly, if the defense didn't stop any, any goals or any uh, touchdowns, it wouldn't help, would it? it? It would take the defense. It would take the quarterback. It would take the coaches. That, that it takes a team for them to win the game. It takes a team for missionaries to be on the field. It, it takes a team for us to win the game. And what does that game look like? Well, that game is for us to elevate, not ourselves, not who we are, elevate who Jesus is. And whenever we look at him and he is the one that we are looking toward, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter the fact that I no longer have a buy one, get one free Big Mac meal. It no longer matters the fact that I can't buy that new car I wanted because I was able to give that money so they could go to, to uh, a strange place. It no longer matters the fact 
that I'm going to give up my Friday night, and instead of going out, I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to pray for a missionary who might be going through a hard time. Listen, I, I am not a sentimental guy. Like, I don't know if you look at me, and you're like, that, that guy, he probably cries in the middle of the night. No, that's not me. Like, and so when, when I was on, I first got there, and, um, and my wife and all that, we we're having such a hard time. My daughters are transitioning from English into Italian, and they're learning a second language, and it was very difficult. And so this was the way that transition went. Um, it's really hard for missionaries because my daughters, they went into school, and all the other kids raised their hand, and they said, posso avere il bicchiere di acqua? And my daughter's like, I have no idea what you just said. And then she comes home and says, everybody asked for a glass of water, and I don't know how. And so I have to tell her, I don't know how either. And then they raise their hand and they say, can I go to the bathroom? How do I do that? I'm like, I don't know. And my daughters, every day, they came home crying because they had all these classmates that did not speak their language. So I'm wondering, did I make a mistake about moving my family to Italy? We were on in the grocery store True story, um, my, my wife is looking at cheese and like, I just want cheddar. That is all I want. I'm simple. I just need cheddar. There is no cheddar in Italy. So the, the lady behind her, this, this, this grandma, this Nona, is like very impatient as she's looking for cheese and she takes her shopping cart and she just looks around and goes mm, right into the back of my wife's leg. And my wife's like, well, maybe that was an accident. She's looking for cheese, and she's determined to get me cheddar. And this lady goes, mm, uh, one more time. So my wife had learned enough Italian, and all she learned was basta nona, which means stop, grandma. And that's all she knew. And when you're at that moment, when you're yelling at old ladies in the grocery store, your kids are crying, you wonder, did I do the right thing, God? I got a letter that day because it was my birthday, from a lady in, in Washington State, and it was a birthday card, and I knew that. And so like any self-respecting person, I grabbed that birthday card, and before I even open it, I give it a little shake, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm checking to see if there's any money. Like, I'm in Italy. No person was going to send me dollars through the, the, the mail. I know that. Maybe they're going to send me a gift card, but what a cruel joke would that have been to send me a gift card that I couldn't use over there, right? That would have been cruel. So I know, like, there's nothing, but I'm giving it a shake anyway. And as I open this up, I'm not a sentimental guy. I start crying because I realize that this lady gave up her, her time to write me a card to say, I care about you on your birthday. I'm praying for you for going to Italy to tell people about Jesus. And it refocuses everything I'm doing back on him. Her role was to write a card to encourage a broken missionary wondering if he did something right. And that moment, it refocused me and said, I'm right here with you, God. I'm right here with you. So what is our goal? As every good missionary would ever say, we have to go to Matthew 28, 18. It says, and then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, teach, and baptize. Teach them everything I've commanded you to do. Teach other people. That is our goal. That is your goal as a church, right? Your goal is to go. Your, your job literally is to go across the street. Your, your job is to go to your neighbors. My job is to go to Italy. That's where God's called me. God's called you here. That means you've got to deal with other New Yorkers. That means you get this. You actually, uh, Pastor Isaac told me this. He goes, when he first moved into his house, that like there was a, a rule that you don't park in front of somebody else's house. You can only park in front of your own house. Like, I don't know that rule, but I guess it's a rule. And if you violate that rule, like, I guess there's, there's re repercussions that happen. So why don't you walk over to that person and bring them a pie? Instead of yelling at them and saying, hey, you're parked in front of my, my, my house. Why don't you go over there and, and have a peace offering? Why don't you go over there and show them the love of Christ? That's what you're called to do. I know sometimes, you know, it gets hard. Sometimes neighbors are, are terrifying. Your job is to go next door. Your job is to make them a disciple. That's your job. My job is to do it in a strange place called Italy. We're supposed to go to Judea, which is right here for you. That's Long Island. Samaria, that's those strange people maybe in Queens. Did I say that right? I'm not for sure. I've never been here before. Maybe anybody from Queens? Fraud, man. I'm sorry. Forgive me. We're going to have to leave right away. Jersey, maybe? That's some that's strange people in Jersey. Is that better? Good, good, good. And even to the ends of the world. So your job also includes places like Italy. So how do you do that? How do you fulfill the Great Commission? How do I fulfill the Great Commission? We're going to see in, in the writings of Paul in the book of Philippians how he was able to do this, how he was able to fulfill the Great Commission, how he was able to give out the gospel. And, and does everybody know what the gospel is? Like when I say gospel, like I, I want to be very clear. Like maybe there's like people that have never heard the gospel. So I, I'm just going to want to pause and we're going to talk about what the gospel is, what Paul was trying to give. When we go, what, how do we make disciples? What is the gospel? So I, I want you to turn, if you have your Bible, turn to my favorite verse, John 16, And I know this isn't on my slides, um, and so it's not in my notes, but if you can turn to John 16, in your Bible, circle this verse, commit it to memory, know this verse. It says, I have spoken these things. It's Jesus speaking. He's, he's told his disciples everything that he possibly could. He's on the way to the cross. He, he's about ready to be crucified. And he says, I have, I have spoken these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now I want you to understand that is the gospel. That is Paul saying, if you, if you take who you are and you put it into who I am, into Jesus, this is, I started Paul speaking, this is Jesus saying, if you take who I, put it into 
who I am in Jesus. This is where peace is. This is where peace is. Does, does anybody have peace here today? Now, listen, you can take who you are, immerse it into Jesus, and this is where peace is. Now, does that mean that everything is going to be dandelions and butterflies and gumdrops and rainbows? No, it is not. Because you live in this sinful, chaotic place we call the world. And there's going to be tribulations. There is going to, listen, and I know some of you, like, you don't understand tribulations are because you think tribulations are oh man i missed the opening to the video to to the the, the movie so therefore I, I i missed like 10 minutes of the movie and that was a tribulation and you go off the like the the the, the off the chain and you're like so crazy you're like ah and you get so freaked out because you missed 10 minutes of the video or maybe you, you you're like man my kid made another mess so you freak out on everything and, and this is your tribulations that's not tribulations like there's going to be problems and some of you, what we've done is we've taken our problems and we've elevated that to tribulations. And we've said, you know, there's this small little thing and we've elevated that to this a huge, massive thing. And it's really not like, do you understand what a tribulation is? Not a problem. A tribulation is I don't know what the doctor's going to tell me. I don't know if my son will ever come home. That's the tribulation. I don't know if I will ever, my wife just went through this, if I will ever speak again. That's the tribulation. She found out she had two nodules in, in her throat, and they had to remove those. And one of the real possibilities were that they would nick something, and she could never speak again. Now listen. Listen. Is it possible in that moment to have peace? Yes, it is. You can only do that in Jesus. You can only have peace in Jesus. Is it possible that we can live in this sinful, chaotic place? And you're like, what do you mean sinful? Like, turn on the news. It's sinful. There are people that are going to treat you bad. There are people going to treat me bad. There are people that, that are going to do things. In fact, I said, hey, I want to go to New York City. And, 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 and Pastor, his dad said, what do you want to see? I said, well, I want to see like two muggings, carjacking. And like, there's, there's going to be sin that is happening. And his wife's like, don't worry. You'll, that, you'll see that. I mean, that's not a problem, right? There's going to be sin. Is it possible to have peace. How is it possible? We go on and we finish off the, the verse and it says, but take heart. Another version would say, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. You don't live in this world. Do you understand? You have been set free from sin. You don't live for the treasures of this here. Like there's some nice things and I live in a beautiful place and I get to eat amazing food, but I don't live for that. I live for him. So he has overcome the world. So it doesn't matter if I can't speak in this world. It doesn't matter if the cancer is going to spread because if I die today, I get to be with my savior. Are you at peace in that? It doesn't matter what happens in this world if I'm living it for Christ. That's the gospel. And that is what we get to tell people in Italy. That is what you get to tell New Yorkers across the street 
who have parked in front of your house that it doesn't matter if you're in the front of my house, I still love you, here's a pie. And Paul says, this is the gospel that I'm going to give to the Romans. As he's sitting in a Roman jail, he writes this letter. This is what he says. This is, this is our role. This is our role as, as missionaries from sender and sent. I'm, I'm the, the, the sent, right? I'm the one who's, who's going. You, you're the sender. You're the one that allows missionaries to go. The, you're, I think Lauren is her name. She is a sent. You are sending her. You are encouraging her to go. You are provide, providing financially for her to go. You're providing the, the prayers for her to go. You're, you're providing the ability for her to not be weighed down by the world so that she can speak the truth to lost and dying people on a college campus. I don't know if you looked at our college campuses. There's many lost and dying people. They need more Lawrence in their life. That's what he says. I have 12 minutes. I'm glad we reset that, that timer. Um, <laughs> If you want to do it again, we're good. <laughs> Paul, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in, in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus. I thank my God in remembrance of you. The Philippians, they were the sender. Paul was the sent. And, and this is the, the three things that, that they do. The three things that, that the, the sent does, the three things that the sender does. We see this in, in, in verse 19. It says, For I know that through the prayers and the help of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Jesus, not Jesus, the church prayed for Paul. The church prayed for Paul. Not only did they pray, it says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, the church prayed for Paul. Do you pray for Lauren? Do you pray for Andrea? Do you pray for Mosaic or Church? That's, that's your, your role. If you are going to partner with a missionary, your job is to pray. And part of praying is knowing what, what is going on in the missionaries' lives, what's going on in their church. You have to know to, to pray for them. Communicating with that pastor, with that pastor, with that missionary. You have to know. So the first thing they did was they prayed. The second thing, this is where everybody loves, they gave financially, right? Did anybody like that part? No, I didn't think so. I like it. They gave financially. And Paul says this in, in verse 15. He says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. If it wasn't for the Philippians, Paul would have been lost on his own. He would have been having to make as many tents as he can. And guess what? When you're making tents, you're not giving out the gospel. If I have to work over there, I can't give out the gospel. It is only because of your faithfulness that missionaries can go. In fact, I'm not even allowed to work over there. They gave financially. 
And guess what? It wasn't dependent on other churches. You may feel like sometimes you're alone. He, I love that part. He goes, and no other churches. What church are you going to be like? You're going to be like them other churches? You're going to be like the Philippians who said, we are going to do what God has called us to do no matter what others are doing. Because it's not about my own personal finance. It's not about my own stuff. It's about Jesus. It's not because I like that missionary. It's not because, because I, I think he's cute. It's because of Jesus. Nobody laughed and said, I think he's cute. Nobody guessed that. <laughs> not only did they pray for Paul, not only did they give to him financially, and everybody likes this part when we talk about Italy, what do they do? They also sent helpers. They also sent helpers. In, in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 25, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldiers, and you uh, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he had been longing for all and had been distressed because he'd heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also in me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor in such men. For he, he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service. And that's kind of a long passage to read. And I kind of wanted to read the whole thing because I wanted us to catch it all. I wanted us to understand that what happened was the Philippians said, we can't all go, but we can send helpers. We can send people to go. So we're going to send Epaphroditus. And when, when Mr. Epaphroditus, I love that name, when he got there, he got sick. Even to the point of death. And did that stop his zeal in serving the Lord? No. For he nearly died for the work of Christ. Now, they, they prayed, they gave, and they sent. What is your role as the sender? Are you more focused on the things here? Are you more focused on your, your earthly treasures? Are you more focused on, on the things of this world? Are you willing to say, I'm going to give up everything so that some Italian man or some Italian girl or some lady from Ghana, or some lady from Mongolia can hear who Jesus is. Am I willing to do that? Or I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm just all about me. What church do you want to be? Do you want to be like the Philippians, or do you want to be like those other people who didn't communicate, who didn't send, who weren't behind Paul? Paul who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Paul, and here's the thing, I love the fact, we read about, um, about the Philippians and about him. You know when Paul wrote the book of Philippians? When he was in a Roman jail. And if you read the book, there's, there's a three-letter word. Three, yes, one, two, three. Three-letter word that describes the book of Philippians. Joy. That man was in a Roman jail. I've been to that jail that he was in. And here's, let, let me describe it. It is a, a three-story 
jail. And it's not like we think jail, but it really was like a hole in the wall that they would push you in so you could just like fall down. And a lot of times what would happen is people would break their legs, they would break their arms, they would sometimes drop them upside down so they might even break their neck. And did they send any helpers? No. You had to deal with that. So a lot of times, if you didn't die from the fall, you died from the injuries that you had. And now he's writing a book of the Bible called Philippians, and it is characterized by a three-letter word, joy. Think about that. That it didn't matter his situation he was in. It didn't matter where he, he was able to write back to the Philippians saying, thank you for sending me help. Thank you for sending me money so I can be in this place, so I can tell the Roman jailers about Jesus. I can tell my captors about Jesus. Like, does that doesn't make sense to me, right? As, as being one who, who was running from the law at one point, clarification, I've turned myself in, I'm clean, I haven't stolen anything in, in a while, just so we know. In a while, hey, 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 hey. I was 18, okay? I'm 40 now. I understand what it's like. I've been there. And the last thing I would want to do is tell the people who's chasing me who Jesus is. And Paul says, I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know, but I'm going to use every single second to thank the people that have allowed me to be here. I'm going to use every single second so I can proclaim his name. It doesn't care what happens to me. It doesn't care if I'm being treated fairly. It doesn't care about justice. What I care about Jesus and letting my captors, like the only way that we are going to solve any problems in this world is through what? It's through more and more churches that look like yours. That's the only way we are going to solve the problem. When we take what we see here in front and what we see at my church in, in Mosaico, when we have 23 countries represented that they can get along and we can all speak different language. And it's so hard when you walk up to somebody and they may be speaking um, um, Dutch and you walk in and be like, oh, no, I thought that was German. I can't speak any of that. I got to go over here and speak. Like, it's really hard to do that. And I know this morning it was really hard that, that because I, I speak enough Italian that when I hear somebody speaking Spanish, I'm like, oh, I can do this. Wait, no, I can't. And you don't know who you can talk to because you don't know if they can switch back and forth. But it doesn't matter because you can give everybody a hug and say, I love you in Jesus because it doesn't matter, does it? Because it's all for him. He's overcome this world. Let's focus on who he is. Let's go back in closing. So what does the sender look like? They prayed, they gave, and they sent help. And in, in verse uh, 4, chapter 1, always in every prayer of mine, this is Paul saying, in every prayer of mine for, um, for, you all, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus I, this word, and it doesn't come out in this translation, but uh, this word fellowship here. This word is used for community, for intimacy. When Paul prays, he, he's requesting for an intimate community with the sender in the gospel. He's, he's requesting not 
more financing. That helps. He's requesting to know the Philippians more so he can be praying for them. He's requesting for, for them to know him more so they can be there for him, so they know how to send. They know how to send helpers. They know how to send the financial gifts. Remember, Paul was writing this in prison. And he says in verse 7, we're closing out here quickly. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you all were partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. A good friend of mine, um, Cody Wilbanks, he actually is, uh, he's the one that started our, our church in Italy, and now he's a uh, pastor in uh, Rochester, um, up north. And he says this, and thanks Cody Wilbanks, he says, our roles might be different. Some send while others go, but our task is the same. Make disciples of every nation. Never think that just because you stay back while others go, that you are less important or less meaningful in the cause of world missions. You simply have a different role, but it is a vital one. Those that go depend on you. One life, thank you for being a church that we can depend on. Pastor, thank you for being a pastor that we can depend on. And, and, and I don't say because we have 75 other churches and other pastors that are behind us. But Pastor Isaac, you are the one that has communicated with us the most. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for what I see here in front of me. Thank you for this, this church. Thank you for the growth that they are experiencing. God, we, we pray that you give them clarity of mind. You give them wisdom. That We pray that you give them your truth as they move forward. God, we know that, that some of these people in front of me, that they are going through tribulations. They are going through troubles. They are going through trials that seem so insurmountable, and they don't know where to turn. But God, we know that we can turn to you because, because we can put who we are in you, and we can have peace in you despite all the crap and all the chaos that goes around us, that you are here for us, that you are fighting on our behalf. And if we just give that to you, God, that we can have peace. God, if there is anybody who does not know you today, that you would call them, your Holy Spirit would work in their life and, and pull them out of, of their, their, their minds and, and, and pull them closer and closer to you through faith, through the Holy Spirit. God, this is a beautiful place. Allow them to take what they have here in front of them and next to them, that they would take that into the communities around them, that they would take that into their Judea, their Samaria, and God, they would spread out to the uttermost parts of the world. God, if there is somebody in here today and saying, I don't know what that guy is saying up there, but I want to have that faith, that you would pull them to you God, maybe there's somebody else saying that, I, you know, just like I was when I was 18 years old and, and I was just, just running amok and, and all these, and I was like, I don't know where my life is, God, but I want you more. And, and, and you called me into full-time service for you. If there's anybody here like that, 
that you would make it abundantly clear who, who that is and you would call them to full-time ministry. God, up to somebody here that just says, I need to be deeper in my love for you. I need to be deeper in my evangelism of you and I need to share my truth, my gospel, my story that you would equip them to do that. Make them bold. We ask this in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. One Life Christian Church is located in Baldwin, New York. To find out more about the church, visit us at www.onelifeli.com. Dot com.